happy Mother's Day to many of you that are here this morning, and I know uh, we've seen, seen some other folks come in uh, to honor their, their mothers here, and it's really good to have you here this morning. Um, Katie said uh, for Mother's Day, she just, she just wants one thing. She just wants everyone to cooperate and get along today. <laughs> I said, we got you a card. So we'll see how the rest of uh, the Mother's Day gift shapes up this, today. Over the last uh, several weeks, we've been kind of going through um, this series, Entrusted, talking about a number of different resources that God has blessed us with and um, also given us the, the opportunity, um, the privilege, uh, and I think the responsibility Uh, to look at how we use those resources uh, to glorify God, to uh, seek the common good of all. And um, this is an opportunity for us to to grow in our discipleship, grow in the way that we follow Jesus. And so we've spent some time talking about uh, how we use our time. We asked questions about how we uh, use that, what's worth uh, spending our time on, uh, not just about efficient use of time, but faithfully investing and wisely investing our time in the kingdom of God. We also looked at uh, trees or natural resources, the stewardship of natural resources, and we talked about humanity's original vocation as stewarding creation and how we uh, might continue to uh, steward God's creation. Uh, Last week, we talked about talent, uh, called to be a full-time church, investing our God-given gifts and abilities for the common good. And this week, we're talking about uh, treasure, one of our favorites, to talk about money. Um, and we'll get into that here in a moment. But first, I want to ask, uh, I, we did this a couple weeks ago, uh, asked for song titles that had to do with uh, our theme. So let me ask, what songs have something to do with money? Think of a song that has to do with money. Yep, that's on my list. All right, Abba, money, money, money. Think of others. Ooh, all right. Some of these I'm not, and it's okay if I'm not familiar with it. I came across, and, and I would not have known the group, and I think I've heard somebody cover this song, but there's a Flying Lizards sings the song, Money, That's What I Want. And, and the lyrics uh, at the start of the song, the best things in life are free, but you can give them to the birds and bees. I want money, that's what I want. <laughs> Puff Daddy sings, it's all about the Benjamins. If you're not familiar with who Puff Daddy is, you can ask somebody under, the, under 30 uh, following the service. Donna Summers sings, she works hard for the money. And I had ABBA, money, money, money on my list as well. There's actually a lot of songs. I started looking through all of these songs. Um, And maybe it 
shouldn't have surprised me uh, how much money is a part of our singing if our songs kind of reflect our cultural values. Um, there's a lot of money in our uh, lyrics. There's a lot of money invested in our songs and our entertainment. Um, actually, I was reading an article this, this past week um, on... Um, Christian music and the money invested in in Christian music, um, which you know has its good sides and kind of its sides that was like, oh, I I feel dirty now, um, uh, thinking about who owns rights to songs and all of that. Uh, but there's a lot of money, and a, a lot of our uh, society has a has a focus, a priority, a drive uh, for money. And uh, so we're going to talk about that within the context of the church. Um, but I think as soon as we start talking about treasure, money, uh, we think, oh no, here we go, um, sermon about money. Because often we have this stereotype uh, that some folks have of the church that uh, the church is always asking for money. Um, we try not to do too much of that here, uh, but money is um, a practical uh, way that we can live out our discipleship. And so while sometimes we think, oh, well, I don't want to be told what to do with my money, um, I don't think I'm going to tell you today what you should do with your money. I'm going to make some suggestions. And uh, as Paul does, he leaves it up to uh, the church to make their decisions, to decide in their heart uh, what they should give and to do so generously. Um, I'll say, I, I, I like that Paul says, you know, you shouldn't give under compulsion. God loves a cheerful giver. And yet the whole structure of his um, suggestion is uh, definitely applying a little bit of cultural pressure uh, to the Corinthians and saying, you know, you've, you've made this commitment, you've talked about uh, giving this gift, and now you kind of need to do it because if you don't, I'm going to look bad, you're going to look bad, we're all going to look bad. It's not going to be good for the believers in Jerusalem. And so there's a, uh, there's a little bit of pressure being applied there uh, by Paul. I also recognize that money can be a tough subject for uh, the preacher to cover uh, because the use of our money clearly has spiritual implications uh, because money is a major subject throughout Scripture. And even for Jesus, the use of money revealed something of the heart of the one using the money. And to try and speak with integrity on money, I recognize that money and the church and a full-time pastor giving the sermon has a potential for some to claim conflict of interest. We're going to try and wade into this subject of money altogether, though. As we do that, let's pray. Jesus, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord. And in this very practical way, may we learn something of faithfulness and trust in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Another disclaimer I want to give here at the start of talking about money. I already mentioned there's a, you know, a little bit of a 
I guess, potential conflict of interest with a full-time minister talking about giving money to the church. Um, And this is why I like to stay clear of counting offering, Uh, although we could use some volunteers. If you looked in the the announcements that came out this week, we're looking for a few extra volunteers to help count the offering. And I make it uh, a priority to to not know who's giving what. I also recognize that talk about our monetary resources can be a tough conversation in in the midst of um, inflation and economic struggles across our community, across our country, and even across our globe as we talk about using our financial resources. But I think our use of money does reveal something about our own hearts and where our priorities are, where our values are, uh, the kinds of things that we want to invest our money in reflects something of our own discipleship. I had a professor that used to say our checkbook revealed our priorities in life. And uh, if you don't use a checkbook, maybe it's your credit card statement or your Venmo app or however you track your expenses reveals something about our heart. In thinking about uh, what Scripture teaches us about our money, one of the first things that came to, to my mind was that amounts don't matter. I think, what about tithing? There's a, a principle of giving 10% uh, or a tithe, especially in the Old Testament. But Jesus comes and seems to upend that, um, that kind of legalistic notion of a tithe. Jesus came and he criticized those that focused on giving uh, the tithe to the temple system, but didn't do anything to care for the poor and the vulnerable around them. He says, well, that's great that you're giving your tithe, but you shouldn't have neglected these people also. It's not just about meeting a, a, a legalistic obligation and ignoring the actual needs of those around you. In fact, further upending the tithe concept, he praised the widow who dropped in her last coins, proclaiming that she had given more than those depositing large sums of tithes. I don't think Jesus is against the idea of a tithe, just uh, I think he wouldn't think we need to be legalistic about it. But also the realization that it's not just the tithe that belongs to God. All of what we have is a gift from God. The 10% that maybe some of you give to the church, but the rest of the the other 90%, that is also a a, a gift to you, and and we are also responsible for how we use that other 90%. That other 90% is also an opportunity for us to exercise trust, to uh, exercise faith in God, it's an opportunity for us to continue to minister and seek the, the, the good of those around us, not just the tithe. In fact, what we see here in Paul's letter to uh, the Corinthians is something of the generous sharing in the abundance of God. 
Now, to understand what Paul is writing to uh, the church in Corinth, we need to uh, actually go back uh, a little bit further uh, earlier in the New Testament and read what happens in Acts chapter 2. Here in Acts chapter 2, the church is, is just getting started. You know, they've experienced the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, they've, they've preached the, the Pentecost, Peter's preached the Pentecost sermon. Folks are, are being baptized. They're, they're coming into the church. They're gathering uh, for, for worship and discipleship. Uh, they're, they're breaking bread together. And they are sharing their goods. They are sharing their wealth. They are sharing their blessings together, covering the needs of one another. The fledgling church is committed to learning uh, the Jesus way from the disciples. They're committed to meeting together for worship and sharing communion and common meals, and they are committing their physical resources to the common good of the community. Some are selling items, they're selling resources, they're selling property, and they're distributing to those in need in their midst. And then Paul and others begin to take the message of Jesus beyond Jerusalem. And in the meantime, the church in Jerusalem begins to, to suffer some, some persecution. Jerusalem itself it, uh, was filled uh, with a growing tension between uh, the Jewish uh, sects, the Jewish uh, religions, and, and Rome. And they begin uh, to find themselves in need, the, the believers that are in Jerusalem. They themselves uh, have, are coming to the end of their resources, and they need the, the other church, their brothers and sisters in other places, to step up and to help out. So Paul writes here uh, this letter uh, to the brothers and sisters in Corinth. It reveals that the church in Corinth had talked about taking a collection for the believers in Jerusalem. And Paul was, Paul was proud of them for, for making this commitment. In fact, he, he shared with uh, other brothers and sisters in other cities, look what, what Corinth is, is getting ready to do. Look at this collection that they're getting ready to take. He talks about the believers in Macedonia, how they've kind of been spurred on and, and, and they're giving quite a gift. And, and so now Paul is... Um, recognizing that Corinth hasn't actually followed through in the action, and he is sending some envoys to get things squared away so that he and they aren't put to shame by uh, Corinth not coming through in the promise of a gift. Paul has this way of gently appealing, uh, uh, applying social pressure um, on some issues, and he's doing that here uh, with the Corinthians. Uh, there's an honor-shame dynamic at play, and Corinth has said they are committed to sending this gift. They haven't come through, and Paul says, you know, you've made this commitment, and if you don't follow through, this is going to look bad. It's going to look bad for you. It's going to look bad for me because I'm bragging you up. I'm telling everybody about your generosity. Now I need you to come through. You know, some other places where Paul kind of applies social pressure like that would be in uh, the book of Philemon where uh, this slave uh, is being sent back as a brother and uh, Paul sends this letter with the, the, the slave saying that Philemon needs to now treat Onesimus, the slave, 
as a, a brother in Christ. Now, the, this letter would not have just been delivered to Philemon and Paul hoping that Philemon follows through and does the right thing. This letter would have been delivered to Philemon's church, read out for everybody. Onesimus is there, and Philemon's kind of put in this situation of, what am I going to do? Everybody knows that Paul is calling me to treat this uh, slave as a brother in Christ. Uh, so Paul's kind of applying uh, some social pressure there. Paul talks about the Corinthians and this bountiful gift. And when they use this bountiful gift, typically we translate that as a blessing. But here we're not talking about a metaphorical blessing. God has poured out his blessings. And, and sometimes we leave that as like, you know, uh, joy and peace. And these are things that maybe we can't physically put our hands on. But here Paul's blessing, this bountiful gift, is talking uh, about a, a tangible gift of financial resources, this is the form that the blessing will take when the Corinthians collect this gift and send it off to the brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. One commentator says that words of blessing come easily, but to bless by sharing our material possessions requires quite another attitude. Paul calls on them to give generously out of their abundance we know that Corinth was a, a pretty wealthy city. It was a trading city. Um, there was a lot of commerce that, that moved um, in and through Corinth. And so um, we should understand that some of the folks in Corinth were pretty well-to-do, that they had some financial means that they had been blessed with. And, and Paul wants them to understand that they have been blessed and that they have been blessed in order to bless others. We like when we're reading through this passage, we like to highlight the line that Paul writes, each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not regretfully or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And moving on, he writes, you will be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us, for the rendering of this ministry not only applies, supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. That, that phrase, rendering of this ministry, is kind of an awkward phrase in the NRSV. The NIV says, this service. For uh, this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgiving. The, the actual word there in Greek is liturgia. Service done. Liturgia is where we get our word liturgy from. And the word generally is used of worship. And so Paul is connecting worship of God to serving the needs of others. And this is uh, a way that Corinth can, can worship God, this is a way that Corinth can show their trust and, and exercise uh, faith in God is by sharing this gift, sharing of their blessing with the brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. This is their act of worship. 
I find it also interesting that near the end of this passage, Paul is talking about how God gives the gifts and then multiplies the blessings. And we want to be careful about, you know, uh, kind of going down the route of the prosperity gospel type stuff that if you give money, you will receive more money in return. But Paul is talking about the blessings being multiplied. By blessing others, the Corinthians will find the blessing multiplied. The Corinthians will be praising God for their own blessings. And they'll be sharing those blessings with others. And the Jerusalem Christians will be praising and thanking God for the blessings. And so there's this giant, expanding, multiplying web of blessing happening there because the Corinthians are, 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 are celebrating their gift that they've been given from God. They've had an opportunity to to live out trust and faith in God. And they know that their gift is is a cause for celebration for the the Christians in Jerusalem. And so it's this expanding, um, multiplying web of blessing that's happening because the Corinthians, if the Corinthians, are generous in their gift. Over the last uh, couple of weeks, you know, we've been talking about our different resources, time, natural resources, gifts, abilities, uh, monetary or other physical resources. And God has poured out God's blessing in uh, numerous ways into our lives. And we as human beings, if you look around at the, the human condition and the human story uh, throughout time and across the globe, humans have proved that we are fully capable of hoarding these resources, of using these resources for, for selfish reasons, uh, of not sharing the, the blessings, and sometimes outrightly abusing these gifts from God. But we also see examples of people who recognize that everything we have is a gift from God and that we are blessed in order to be a blessing to others and to extend that blessing to others. We have the opportunity to be part of that multiplying, expanding web of blessing. So let's take a step out of just the theoretical into the practical. Paul isn't just talking about a metaphorical blessing. He's being very practical with the Corinthians. Yes, this is a spiritual thing. It is a spiritual practice, even a spiritual discipline, but it's coming in the form of a physical gift here. And Paul is attempting to bring together the collective power and blessing of a number of churches uh, across the ancient world for the benefit of the believers in Jerusalem. Paul is, is, is tapping on the shoulder of the Macedonians and the Corinthians and, and believers in different cities and saying, look, our brothers and sisters in Jerusalem, they're in need right now. So we need to step up and we need to be a blessing. And I need you to... Uh, be very practical in the way that you're going to bless them. Yes, pray for them. Yes, offer other support for them. 
But right now, they also are in need of a monetary gift. I think the church is a way that gifts of one individual and one city uh, and then combined with other believers in other cities can be multiplied together for a great expression of trust and obedience, thanking God for blessings and then for the Jerusalem believers to also praise and glorify God. And in similar ways, here at Spring Creek Church of the Brethren, We encourage our members and our regular participants to exercise their own faith through giving thanks to God for God's provision in your own life and to exercise, to test it out, exercise your faith and your trust to give of all of our resources, time, talent, treasure, all of that, to expand the web of blessing through the ministries of this congregation our community and the world through Spring Creek's ministries and outreaches. Our collective gifts are combined and multiplied to do more than one of us can do alone. You know, practically speaking here, we, we have a budget. But more than a list of budget items with numbers... It's a ministry investment plan. They reflect our priorities in ministry. They reflect our values and our goals as a congregation. It's priorities of ministry in our congregation and moving outside of our congregation. It's an attempt to make wise use of our collective resources. It's an act of trust and faith in God, yes, but also it is an act of trust in faith in the community, in the family of faith, to step up and to join together. Let me give you one way in which um, our collective gathering of resources and shared ministry makes a practical difference. This past week, I got a, a call uh, connected to one of our VBS families. It's a, a family that comes just about every time we have a VBS. They don't have a, a church home. And two weeks ago, uh, several of the members of the family were involved in a car accident. And uh, a father and a 15-year-old daughter were killed in the accident. Another nine-year-old boy who attends just about every time we have a VBS is in the hospital. They didn't know where to go to find someone to help lead the service, and so they called Missy's Church because of relationships built over years of kids coming to VBS. Now, we host VBS, and we play games, and we have snacks, and we have a lot of fun, and we have a Bible lesson, and we sing a lot of crazy songs, and we are committed 
as a congregation to carrying VBS forward. But relationships that are fostered in this VBS atmosphere. And when a crisis comes, there's been a seed planted. So I'm going to ask for your prayers tomorrow. There's going to be a few of us uh, who have been invited into a tough space to come alongside this family tomorrow and to speak something of the good news of Jesus. To be there with them and to offer hope and, and peace. And you help to make that atmosphere possible. Through your gifts, through your time, through financial resources that help to make VBS possible. Paul concludes this section with these words. He says, you will be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. For the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. Through the testing of this ministry, you glorify God by your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and by the generosity of your partnership with them and with all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God that he has given you. And concludes with this. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. In our financial giving, we have opportunity to exercise our faith, to exercise our trust in God, to exercise our faith and trust in one another, to give thanks to God for all that we have and for the ways that God has provided jobs and, and, and resources for us to care for our own families, but to care for the needs of others. And as we share those resources, others are blessed. Others have an opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus. So those blessings continue to grow and to multiply and an interconnected web of blessing. Folks praising and proclaiming the goodness of God. This is what we have an opportunity to be a part of. This morning as we continue to let this sink in and contemplate what it means for our own lives and for our own uh, giving patterns and habits and discipline. We're going to stand together and sing uh, from the blue hymnal number 383, God Who's Giving.
we can continue to celebrate God's blessings in order that we might bless others around us. Would you stand as we sing together?